Why, hello there, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so thankful that I have another opportunity to share a great Bible conversation with you. Now, this is part two of a mini-series asking the question, why should we care about the Old Testament? And I hope it's one that you've asked before. We shouldn't be afraid to ask questions like that. Why should we care about the Old Testament? Well, the Old Testament is worthy of our care, and that's the purpose of this conversation, is to help motivate and excite, remind, to teach, and edify all of us that the Old Testament matters. Now, we're jumping back in the conversation where we're going to overview how more than just the very first prophecy, but there's a lot of references to Jesus in the Old Testament. So let's jump back into that conversation, shall we? And it will take the rest of the Bible to help explain that scripture, right? Yes. Like I'm not going to get Jesus in Genesis 3.15 alone. There's going to have to be other things that help me understand it. And that's exactly the point. We, in order to understand the Jesus of the New Testament, we have to read about him in the Old Testament. We need to start at the beginning and see why he had to come. He had to come because of that sin in the garden, right. the sin that separated God from his people. And there needed to be a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, like in Ruth, to bring those who are outside of God's people back into the fold and to have that relationship with God that God created humanity for. So the, I guess the, the, the Toldots come in the Toldots is Hebrew for generation. And we read about that first in Genesis chapter 2, uh, where it talks about, uh, it starts um, describing the, um, uh, the creation uh, there in the creation account in Genesis chapter 2. Right. It talks about the generations of the earth. Okay. And then in genera- uh, Genesis chapter 5, uh, it talks about the, the generations, or in Hebrew, the Toldot of Adam. And then throughout... Uh, the book of Genesis, you have these breaks and you have these generations. And the reason for that is Genesis 3.15. It's tracing this seed of the woman. And it's like, it starts off with this huge potential of all humanity because Eve is the mother of all living, right? Right. And uh, it traces that uh, in a narrow, more and more narrow um, way until finally you get to in Genesis, at least, you get to uh, the prophecy of um, Israel uh, prophesying that it was going to be through Judah that there was going to be the scepter, this ruler, this seed was going to come through um, Judah. So that kind of ties it back into Matthew. Exactly. So in Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, when it says Jesus is coming, he's the son of David. David was from the tribe of Judah. Yes. So we got Genesis to... Uh, Judah to Matthew, all of these connections. But is Matthew the only one in the New Testament that um, helps us see that? Or is it, I mean, is it beyond Matthew 1 and 1? Well, it's beyond Matthew 1, 1 and 1. Um, you know, Luke has genealogy as well. But all through uh, the New Testament, we've got this interest in what the, the Old Testament has to say about Jesus and, and about this seed of the woman. You know, Paul has a lot to say about um, the law. He has a lot to say about uh, the the uh, the blessing that was going to come through Abraham. This idea of seed. Um, right. He he even uses the specific phrases. I'd like for you to read it in just a moment. But uh, 
one of my favorite things about Paul as a writer is he's so organized. <laughs> I feel like Paul and I share a common interest in trying to lay out as clearly as possible. And one of the ways that he does that is through asking questions. Yep. So I love his question he asks in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 19 through 24. Would you mind reading that? Um, you know, he begins with the question, what purpose then does the law serve? And then the scriptures are going to lay it out for us. Yeah, which th- that's, you know, that's the question that we're asking, right? What purpose does sure. the law serve? So, exactly. Um, so he continues after that question and says, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then given against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have come by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, uh, uh, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. Mm-hmm. Now, you just have a brief note there about tutors in the first century, but uh, that final verse says, therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Can you help me maybe put on some first century eyes when I look at that verse? Yeah, well, of course, to, to us, I don't know, to you, but to me, a tutor is someone who helps you do homework, right? You do, right. <laughs> do it after class. Right. But I don't think that's what Paul really had in mind. Apparently, in the first century, the tutor was uh, a senior slave okay. who had, uh, who was kind of the, the guardian of the children. He was in charge of the children's education. He was in charge of taking care of the children. And specifically, he would uh, take the children from the home to the school. And he would uh, lead them from one place to the other and then Mm -hmm. home again. Mm -hmm. And so what I think Paul is arguing is that the purpose of the law was to lead us to Christ so that we may be saved by him. Perhaps we're going to bring this up. I can't remember all of the notes, so maybe I'm spoiling something. But the idea of leading us to Christ, um, it reminds me of Timothy. Do we talk about Timothy in Uh, here? Yeah, we got, well... I guess it depends on <laughs> where you're going with this. Well, I was just going to bring up that Timothy's conversion. Uh, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the scriptures that made him right. understand who Jesus was, they wouldn't have been New Testament scriptures. It would have been you know, the faith that was in his mother, that was in his grandmother, etc. This was all happening before the New Testament canon would have been written down. Yeah. And so what scriptures made them wise unto salvation? It would have been the Old Testament, things that were clearly pointing towards the Christ. Yeah. So that once they heard the good news of Jesus and they add that to what they have been reading, waiting for the Messiah, they think oh, clearly this is the way it's supposed to go. So I've, I've always been really uh, inspired is not the right word, but it's just it's been such a a joy to learn about Timothy's conversion. That, mm-hmm. that here he is reading through the Old Testament, here's the good news of Jesus, and boom, he's able to make that connection. Yeah. Just like we're supposed to, I suppose. Um, let me maybe sum up these first two points before we jump into the last one. Just for those who are listening with us, and uh, maybe if it's broken across two episodes, I'm not sure yet on our time, but 
let's go back and consider the question, if the Old Testament law doesn't apply to us as far as obeying it, does that mean we just get to throw it away? And the answer obviously was no. We talked first about how Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant, and so there's uh, so much there that talks about his fulfillment of it. More than his fulfillment, it's about him. That was our second point, that this, this covenant is got Jesus all in it. His fingerprints are all through the books. And so we finally get to this point, uh, number three, where we're talking about how it actually makes us wise for salvation. And I guess I did kind of spoil it because it made Timothy wise for salvation. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about how it makes us wise as well. Oh, look at that. I, people are going to think this is intentional. It really wasn't. That first verse is 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 and 15. So I did spoil it. Maybe it was it was on my mind because I read the notes ahead of time. But uh, will you please read that scripture since I've alluded to it? 2 Timothy 3 and then maybe explain uh, a little bit more to us about it. You know, I, I've got a thought about our previous point. Is this going to ruin it if we go back and just kind of talk about this off the cuff for about two minutes? No, I don't think it will. If you want to bring it up now, we can. I can either splice it in or we can leave it where it is. You know, we talked about how Matthew really cared about the Old Testament, and he was keen to show his readers um, where uh, that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. That really sure. mattered to him, so it should matter to us there. I think also when we read the Old Testament, uh, I beg your pardon, when we read the, the New Testament, um, we don't always get the full picture of what's going on in the Old Testament because uh, sometimes the New Testament authors, they assumed that we know something right. about the Old Testament. Right. And so they just make a passing reference. So like an example that I've been thinking of, this is what I wanted to throw in there. So in Matthew chapter 2, I think it is, um, let's see, Matthew chapter 2 and uh, verse 15. So this is when um, Jesus and his parents flee to Egypt because Herod is about to kill all the babies in um, Bethlehem. So uh, Matthew there says, and they were there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. So when, when you go to Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1, where she's, he's quoting from, you think, wait a minute, how's this about Jesus? How's this a fulfillment? Because it looks like um, Hosea is just saying that when he, uh, Israel was an infant, I called, uh, called them out of Egypt. Out of Egypt I have called my son. It looks like it's talking about um, Israel. Right. And so how do you reckon, is, is Matthew changing the meaning of this verse just to make Jesus seem more legitimate? Well, I think that looks like that if you only look at Hosea 11 verse 1. But if you look at the overall theme of Hosea, and you know what Hosea's message is and what he's talking about, uh, you know that at the beginning of the book, he marries a prostitute, Goma, who is unfaithful to him, and he has two children by her. Um, and then Goma, after the marriage is unfaithful again to him. And uh, God is setting this up as a type of his relationship with Israel. Mm -hmm. So there's type and type happening here. And in uh, Hosea chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2, uh, God is talking about how that uh, Israel is going to be resurrected spiritually. They're mm -hmm. going to uh, come back to God. They're spiritually dead now, and they're going to be resurrected. And he says on the third day, they're going to be resurrected. And so the point is that in Hosea, there's a type being set up between Israel and the anti-type Jesus, Israel who failed and Jesus who succeeded. And so when Matthew is quoting Hosea, 
he's not just saying that, well, God predicted that Jesus would come out of Egypt. He's saying that Jesus is the new Israel, and he's going to do what Israel couldn't and be faithful to God. And then that leads in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, and um, Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 8, where uh, he's recounting uh, how Israel had failed in the wilderness. And Moses is telling them, remember how you cried out against God and, and how you complained at Meribah and so on. And Jesus is quoting those passages because he's not going to make the same mistake that Israel did. Mm-hmm. He's going to fulfill Israel's mission. And so if we read Matthew, we know that Jesus was faithful to God, that he is the Messiah. But if we know our Old Testament as Mos- uh, as Matthew expected us to, then we get a much richer uh, idea of who Jesus was, how he fits in to not just our lives, but the whole of human history. That's an excellent point, and you've gone into very specific detail about it. The only thing I would add, uh, generally, um, I heard this on some apologetics podcast a while ago, was that the New Testament assumes so much that the Old Testament teaches to just be true. Uh, specifically that God created the heavens and the earth, Mm -hmm. that sin originated in the Garden of Eden with uh, their choice to disobey God. And if we never look at the Old Testament, then we lose the building blocks of our faith. Yes. And so thank you for taking that just really into good detail about uh, why the Old Testament matters. Now, we're jumping into the third point. Yes. Right? The Old Covenant makes us wise for salvation. Would you please read Second uh, Timothy three fourteen and fifteen, and then uh, maybe offer some perspective on it? Yeah. So Second uh, Timothy three, starting in verse fourteen. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So. Um, as you've already mentioned, the scriptures that Timothy learned, it's not the New Testament scriptures that we read today because, right. you know, Paul was writing to him and in the Holy Scriptures of the New Testament. Timothy couldn't have grown up knowing Second Timothy because it was written to him <laughs> as a man, right? Right. So the Holy Scriptures that he knew from childhood were the Old Testament scriptures. Notice what he says, though. It's not just the scriptures that you knew or the scriptures that you grew up on. The scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation Mm -hmm. through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, to me, that's both surprising and incredibly powerful, right? It is. And you have uh, a few things that are worth noting specifically about this passage. We kind of broke it down into four. Why don't you lead us through that? Okay, well, the first one... Um, I think it's worth noting that the Old Testament as, uh, is uh, fulfilled and abolished in the death of Christ. So that means that, first of all, humanity is not bound to keep the Old Testament law because right. it has been fulfilled and therefore abolished in the death of Christ. Secondly, God is not bound to honor it. Now, what I mean by that is we can't obey the Old Testament law and expect to receive salvation from it. God's not bound to those promises because all those promises have been fulfilled in the death of Christ. And, you know, that's the point that we made at the beginning, right? We're not under the Old Testament law anymore. Right. Uh, and thirdly, um, well, 
I just made that point. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So right. what's this second big point that we can take away? Right. Uh, the Old Testament is still useful for wisdom. Mm-hmm. We can still um, read it and, as Paul wrote, become wise. Now, you know, we don't think we should be surprised by that because it's still the Word of God after all. Um, thirdly, the Old Testament can make us wise for our salvation. It's not just general wisdom about how to live our life and become a good businessman or whatever, but it's wisdom according to salvation. And uh, I guess the last point is that this salvation is not through Moses, but the salvation is through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's that, I guess, making wise unto salvation. You you have uh, a, a nice long set of scriptures there from Acts chapter 8, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, he used these same scriptures the way that Timothy did and others did. The Bible documents that uh, it was through the prophet Isaiah that he came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? Right. And we we read about different accounts of the Old Testament being used to uh, as a springboard to preach Jesus. Jesus did that himself in the two disciples on the road to Emmaus that we already read earlier on in the podcast, um, that the these Old Testament scriptures preach Jesus right. and salvation. The the writer of Hebrews, you know, Hebrews is just an incredible book with taking the old law, specifically the book of Leviticus. It's kind of the fulfillment of the book of Leviticus, I think, in many ways, and showing us the 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 how the new law works through Jesus Christ. But it's this form of argument that we've been talking about some we see it find, again, uh, some of its fulfillment in the book of Hebrews. What do you got for us there? Yeah, well, in he- Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 7, the writer of Hebrews uses this form of argument because he's using the Old Testament to show why Jesus is necessary. Uh-huh. So he's writing to um, this group of Christians who were tempted to go back to Judaism because of the persecution that they're under, right? And he's telling them, look, there's nothing to go back to. Right. Salvation is through Jesus, and he's using the Old Testament scriptures to, to prove this to, to these Jewish Christians. Well, here we are at the conclusion of these three reasons. They are very similar because they do overlap. But maybe you could just some, give us some final thoughts about what, what's at the heart of the Old Testament. What should I, as the reader, if I'm excited, maybe uh, after listening to this, I'm going to, read through the Old Testament for the first time, what should I have in my mind as I go through? You need to have Jesus in mind, right? And you need to be thinking, uh, how is Jesus fulfilled in this Old Testament? Or rather, how does Jesus fulfill the the promises in this book of the Old Testament? Um, It's not just written for the nation of Israel. And then once the religious nation was abolished in AD 70 that the Old Testament went away. No, it's, it's a book that is fundamental to Christianity as well and our Christian focus. So I guess when we read through the Old Testament, we need to be looking for Jesus. You know, Jesus has testified that he's there, so it's our job to go and find him. What happens when we don't care about the Old Testament? We lose the picture that God has painted of all of human history. God has shown us a complete Bible, a complete history 
Genesis through Revelation, right? Right. First two chapters of Genesis have no devil and no sin. The last two chapters of Revelation have no devil and no sin. Mm-hmm. We read about um, Eden in the beginning of Genesis that uh, is this temple garden city that's set on the mountain of God. And in the end of Revelation, we've got this temple mountain city, Zion, that is in the presence of God. So there are a, a lot of themes in the Bible, but they all start in the Old Testament and they all end in the, Old, uh, in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We've got the idea of um, the creator, the savior. We've got the theme of Eden and paradise and salvation. We've got the king. We've got uh, the, the uh, proto-evangelium that we've talked about. They all start in the Old Testament. They all find their fulfillment in Jesus. And it's not as if all the promises have been completely fulfilled now, because otherwise, what have we got to look for? Right. They all find their final fulfillment on the day of judgment and a a home in heaven. So if we start in the New Testament, we're starting halfway through the story, and we don't understand the richness of what God has promised, and we don't understand uh, the great lengths that God has gone to. Now, God uh, has uh, promised that Jesus would come. His own son would come and die on the cross right back when sin was uh, first committed. And it's not until thousands of years later that he, he does that. And it's not until at least 2,000 years late after that that uh, salvation comes in its final form in, in a home in heaven. You can't, you can't appreciate the so loved in for God so loved the world in John 3.16. You cannot appreciate the so loved unless you back up and read what the so loved was there for from Genesis 1 until the end of the book of Malachi. Well, thank you, brother, for coming in and sharing the study with me. I hope it's helpful for others. And, man, I hope it's motivating people to want to get back into the Old Testament because it's worth reading. Yeah, Jesus is there. Sometimes it's difficult (laughs) to see, but Jesus is there. All right, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie, for coming back into the studio with me and spending some time talking about the Old Testament. I'm always happy and I'm excited whenever uh, people want to defend and discuss why the Old Testament matters because, like we talked about in this conversation, it's really easy to say, ah, we're in the new law, we're under Christ, and so we're not bound to obey or follow the Old Testament, so I'm just not even going to consider what it has to say. There's so many blessings that we miss out on, and I'm grateful that Jamie was willing to bring that Bible study in and talk about it with me. Now, until next week, you can go to the website, pureandsimplebible.com, and check out all the resources that are available for you to use and download absolutely free. So go check it out. And until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me. And-